Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Beyonce, you look like Luther Vandross. Oh, but make it fashion. But you ain't heard that from me. Fierce. Can't stop. You see, when you do <laughs> clownery, the clown comes back I to bite. I ain't gonna sleep because of y'all. It's Britney, bitch. Y'all not gonna get we no sleep because of me. Tiffany. But I ain't gonna get sleep because Who said that? Welcome to Back Issue. A weekly podcast that revisits formative moments in pop culture that we still think about. This week, I think you need to call Tyrone. Call him. We're talking about Neo Soul. We are, but you can't use my phone. Ah, <laughs> oh, the live version of that song is the best version. Each week, we'll go back into the past and revisit unforgettable moments that we all think we remember. And learn what they can teach us about where we are now. I'm the miseducation of Tracy Clayton. And I'm Josh Quinn, volumes one and two. Uh, hey, Josh. Hey, Tracy Trace. Guess what? What? Today we're talking about Neo Soul. Yes! Ashe. Snaps. Ashe. Ashe, everyone. Ashe. I mean, we know what Neo Soul is, right? Mm-hmm. It's a term that's actually credited to Kadar Massenberg from Motown Records. It's so cold. In the D. So cold. Shout out to Homegirl with the jean jacket. Still doing it, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and he reportedly and allegedly coined the term in the 1990s. Right, right. True, true. Mm-hmm. But I do want to just take a little bit of time to talk about like the texture and the feeling of Neo Soul and also what it's meant to you and I. Okay. Did you know that I, I'm going to regret saying this, but I came very close several times to getting an Ankh tattoo, like a permanent uh, tattoo. I... You know what? I knew I shouldn't have told you that. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Instead of dwelling on that, I think that we should talk to some can't stand you. I think we should talk to someone who documented how big this movement was in a way that feels very American. How? 
Well, what's more American than capitalism? True. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> You're right. I want to talk about like where corporations were spending their money and how they interacted with the genre. So we're going to talk to Perry Fair, who invented the new classic soul campaign for Coke that was a major moment for Neo Soul. I'm going to do you one better. Mm-hmm. We should talk to Perry Fair and we should talk to someone who was there. Who? Mm-hmm. Who? Cool. Cool. I think we should talk to the one, the only. Mm-hmm. Tyrese. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> talk to Jill Scott. Better answer. Much yes. better answer. <laughs> Taking my freedom. What you gonna do with it? Pulling it off the shelf. Then where you gonna put it? <laughs> put it on my chain. Oh, what? what you gonna do with the chain? That is a solid to-do list. Solid. <laughs> but first, before we get there, Tracy, mm-hmm. when yeah. did you fall in love with Neo Soul? I can actually tell you exactly when and where. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Do we happen to have a because we're gonna go back in time? We are gonna go back in time to the year two thousand and two thousand. It was just two thousand. <laughs> I am a young, fresh-faced, very supple baby Millicent in college, and I went to college in Lexington, Kentucky. And both the college and the school are very, very white, but like white in an aggressive way, like in an old Southern money type of way, Confederate monuments everywhere in the city and on my campus, by the way. Very scary if you're a black person. It's it's not great. It's not ideal. And I just felt so visible. My granny used to say, like, the only fly in the buttermilk, if you will. And it's just all these white people and I stuck out. And I didn't have, like, a safe haven. And Neo Soul gave me that. Like, it gave me a space where I didn't stick out because blackness was celebrated and it was the norm. And I was like, you know what? Once I get my freedom papers from this alabaster Confederate prison that I've been in for four years, (laughs) I am going to the blackity blackest place that would accept my application for graduate school. Mm -hmm. And it was Philly. So what did you think was going to happen when you went to Philly, Tracy? So what I knew was going to happen was I was going to get mad on tattoos. <laughs> leave me alone. Leave me alone, Josh. I was going to meet the roots, you know, just hanging out on South Street one day. We we're going to become mm-hmm. best friends. They would, like, hit me up to come hang out at the studio for a little private jam session. And then they were going to, like, do You Got Me. And I would have to sub in for Erica's part because she was probably out for being amazing somewhere. I love this. What else did you think was going to happen? Um, well, obviously, I was going to uh, get up with my girl, Jill Scott, you know, mm-hmm. maybe take a long walk. Or maybe, maybe we could take a cruise and listen to the rules, or maybe eat some passion food, or maybe fly to the blues, or maybe we could just be silent. You get it? You see what I did there? (laughs) I love the fact that everyone just uses that or we could just be silent on the internet. It's just such a good idea all the time. It's always an option. Uh, Always. What else was in this Philly fantasy? Ooh, fantasy spelled P-H-A-N-C. Exactly. You got me. (laughs) (laughs) You got me. That's good. Um, uh, I was also going to see Amel LaRue hit like notes that should not be accessible to humans <laughs> in a coffee shop somewhere. You know, my hair would be all wrapped up. I'd have way too much cocoa butter, so I'm like slipping and sliding everywhere. I do, I 
And yes. everybody will just be like, look at that queen. She's just, mm, mm, yes. just look regal. And what's most importantly, mm. I was going to fall in love with every man who had dreadlocks. Just like, <laughs> I just wanted so many dreadlocks. I wanted I wanted them to all look like Shazza from a different world. Mm. Um, I wanted them all to look like D'Angelo from that Untitled video because that, it did something to me, okay? Fair. Like it wasn't just D'Angelo and it wasn't just men who were singing about sex and like intimacy and physical intimacy in this way that I could not hear on the radio, you know, but just like the image of like this very strong, well-muscled black man, clearly, well, what we thought was clearly singing about sex, but like just like the vulnerability that also goes into just like a naked black man that's just like vilified in the media and the news especially. And here, here is a black man who was not only, um, say he's not holding them. <laughs> he wasn't holding it as far as we knew but like here's a black man whose like body that we've been taught is like a dangerous weapon it's now making us feel all kind of mixed up bubbled up crazy things on the inside and i was just like you know what white people might have been wrong about us <laughs> so you know I, I have been called dramatic by a person or two in my day mm-hmm. um But it is not exactly an exaggeration or hyperbole to say that I would have been like a completely different person had it not been for Neo Soul. Mm. Because I found so many of the things that were important to me in that genre of music then and they like became parts of my current self, you know? Mm. Who would Josh be without Neo Soul, I wonder? Completely different. Hmm, to me. I feel like a lot of the formative moments I had involved Neo Soul. Like the first time that I ever won an album off the radio. The first time that you what? You won an album off the radio? Yo, (laughs) this is such a sign of the times. Oh my gosh. I had to name five quote unquote female MCs and I was like, duh. (laughs) (laughs) Watermelon, chicken, and grits, Absolutely. Also, um, shout out to the Nettie Groups who also deserve so much more respect on their name. I agree. So fast forward, the first concert that I ever went to where my parents let me go off by myself mm-hmm. was at the House of Blues in Anaheim, right next to Disneyland in California. Aww. One thing I really loved about Neo Soul was like, because it was so specific in its blackness and so referential to our musical past, it was this inflection point where young people and old people liked the same thing. That makes so much sense. Me and my mom, we both listened to the same Maxwell albums. We both listened to the same Flowetry albums. So I remember telling my mom, I want to go see Flowetry. And she's like, okay, let's go. Uh, it's Flowetry. Yeah. And the way that the concert was set up, there was a general admission at the bottom and arranged tables at the top, and you could see general admission from the top. And my mom was like, I'm gonna go sit at the arranged tables. And I was like, I'm going to the general admission. And she was like, okay. Uh, wait, how old were you? I was probably like 12, 13. <gasps> this is why I can't have kids. Oh my God, my 12 year old baby just running around at a concert? Well, she could see me the whole time from the balcony. I got my entire life. 
So some background for those of you who don't know, Flowetry had two members, Natalie and Marsha, and Natalie was the flowicist and Marsha was the songstress, and together, with their powers combined, they were Flowetry. <laughs> <laughs> and Natalie was directing the crowd, right? She was telling you like what to do with the music and the songs would play and she would be like, okay, now dip, but like British. <laughs> and my mom at the end of the concert was like, all I saw was this sea full of people and everybody dipped at the same time and I saw you and then you dipped. And I was like, He's gonna be fine. Oh, this is my favorite baby Josh story. So Neo Soul happened when I wasn't quite in college yet, but it still meant a lot to me. And I think it's because I grew up in an era where Disney ruled everything. Mm -hmm. All the really big pop stars at that time had come from this big Disney machine, right? Think Britney Spears, Justin, Christina. And besides movies like The Color of Friendship, I don't know if you know that movie. I do not know that damn movie. It sounds awful, I have to say. I'm just gonna say. It's okay. <laughs> and like The Proud Family and Raven and Jet Jackson. Oh, R.I.P. Jet. I know, R.I.P. Jet Jackson. There wasn't a lot of representation of black folks on that channel, you know? And so for me, finally finding Neo Soul was like this breath of fresh air because it gave me all these super affirming messages about black folks, about blackness, that were super identifiable that I was not getting at the time from what I was consuming. Right, you mean that wasn't on the Disney Channel all hard and heavy? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> That is also what I love so much about it because, like, I just don't remember feeling as mirrored in my music, like, black or white, as much as I yeah. did when I discovered Neo Soul. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Remember when NDR re-dropped the video video? <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Video. <laughs> Absolutely, that shit was revolutionary for me. I remember literally riding my bike down the street in my neighborhood with no hands on the handlebar because I was like, of course. I, and also, as well, not like the girls in the video. You just riding down the street humming. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I just remember it being a very countercultural moment. Like I was getting these messages that went, absolutely against mm -hmm. what I was getting everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Blackness is beautiful. Your hair is beautiful. Like, these aren't messages that I was getting. Yeah. And regular blackness is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I comb my hair and sometimes I won't. Depending on how the wind blows, I might even pay my toe. The entire song is about how she doesn't fit the societal standard, right? Yeah. Anyone's black, or anyone's, white. especially the external markers of beauty that we had at the time. Like, think about mm -hmm. what was happening in this time: low-rise jeans, thongs oh above gosh, the, the thongs waistband, all the way up. belly button rings. Yes. She wasn't that. And it's not that she was like extra, like covered in conservative, you know, because she was out here in like the little mid dress and mm -hmm. the little one shoulder situations. She mm -hmm. was just different, mm -hmm. and she's like, "That's fine." We had messages then about affirmation mm -hmm. and about being pretty. Like, think about TLC's unpretty. You can buy your hair if it won't grow. You can fix your nose if you say so. You can buy all the makeup. 
But I think the reason that it hit more for me than Unpretty was that she was speaking directly to the community that she came from. Hands down, I felt the same way. Like, I liked Unpretty. I sang it. I loved the album. It was on the radio all the time. But the fact that white women could identify with it meant that there was Mm. something that that song was not speaking directly to. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's something so fundamental about that in neo-soul music. Like, if you Mm -hmm. were to ask me, what is the key to the genre, Josh? Like, I would say three things. One, in order to be successful within the genre, you have to be culturally fluent enough to understand references Mm. made to what old soul music used to be. Right, right. You have to be culturally fluent enough to understand where culture is at that point right now Uh right and then you have to have this authentic swagger about yourself like it has to feel Mm. real and it has to feel organic i'll co-sign on that tracy it reminds me of this one time i was watching tv and i saw this coca-cola campaign Mm -hmm. and it didn't look like any other coca-cola campaign i'd ever seen it was called Mm -hmm. new classic soul I remember this. It was so dope. It had yes. the roots. It had Jaguar Wright. It had Fatima mm-hmm. Robinson. It had Angie Stone. It had Amil LaRue. All of my faves. Yo, listen. Got to make it real compared to what. Got to make it real. And as insidery as Neo Soul felt, I remember it being like, wait, what? What is going on? Because this is Coca-Cola. Like, Right. This is the pinnacle of mainstream. So what is happening here? Yeah. And like for me, once I started to see that kind of representation in commercials, because I was like, okay, this, this, I do like this, but I'm suspicious as to why you like it. And that's how I knew that like, first of all, like this neo-soul movement was growing, you know, like it wasn't a trend. White people have now seen that they can capitalize on it, which means there's enough of us participating in it, which means good for representation, terrible for being stolen from and and pandered to. This was also when I realized how capitalism used blackness to sell things. Right. And I remember thinking distinctly when I was young, like when I used to see ads like that, who do these people think that I am? And what are they trying to use about my identity in order to sell me something? It's all a scam. You know? (laughs) Capitalism. (laughs) A scam. (laughs) But this ad felt different because it felt like it knew what it was doing and it did it really well. Mm, I think that mm -hmm. was largely due to the black creatives behind the scenes that lended it this feeling of authenticity. Mm. So guess what, Tracy? What? We're going to talk to Perry Fair, inventor of the campaign New Classic Soul, the guy who made the ads after these ads. <laughs> At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Trace. So, Josh. Our producer, Alexis, tracked down Perry Fair. When I tell you that she is the new age Carmen Sandiego, who can she not find? Whomst? Can't take. So, (laughs) Perry Fair is an ad executive and a creative, and he came up with the new classic soul campaign for Mm Coca-Cola. And he talks about how the campaign was rooted in his real life experience as a fan of Neo Soul and a Black person. A concept. Amazing. Groundbreaking. (laughs) So I was in South Dallas. Uh, one of my friends was like, look, you got to come to this club. It's crazy. And I'm like, okay. And there's a group performing on stage. And they're like, yo, I'm going to bring up my girl, Erica Badu. And I'm like, oh, shit, Erica Badu is in the audience. And she gets up. And the guy that's singing gets on, like, lead guitar. And then he plays. And then they bring up somebody else. And for the whole night, they were bringing up their friends. And I'm like, this is the most amazing experience ever. People should see this. And I was a fan of the music and the culture and the creativity, but also it was just these amazing, like Aquarius motherfuckers just creating this great sound. When you've lived this experience, you talk about it in a way that lets you know you lived that experience. Right. And like you said, there's this level of care, even to how they shot it, right? Like. Remember mm-hmm. how well lit they were? Yeah. They matched the wardrobe and that matched the Coke bottles to the skin tones. Mm-hmm. There are so many times where I'm watching television and there's a black person that's on screen and I'm like, wow. So they they really don't even care to light us properly. Like, you know right. what I mean? Exactly. And if you don't care about the way I look, why do you care about what I say? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think with all the details that we're picking up on, It makes sense that Perry worked at Burrell, which is a historically black ad agency. I think that they were uniquely situated to really think about this line, this fine line that you have to walk where you're like, I'm speaking to my culture, but in a way that's not corny or selling out. I sat with, you know, the Roots and with Jaguar, right? And we literally made the songs. I would sit in the room and I would go into like the studio and they would say like, what do you think? I'm like, what do you think? Would you feel proud of yourself if this was representative of who you are on broadcast on television or on youtube or you know if your friends saw what they say like you sold out and i was very adamant against that i worry about being called a sellout all the time not by white folks because yeah but you know like by my tribe my people my folks you know it just feels like a kiss of death i just can't imagine what that must have feel like to be like okay there's this big white company that wants to sell to my people and my people have been like stolen from a lot but representation is important and it's going to happen anyway so it's going to happen i want to help it happen in like a least in the least hurtful sort of way there are all these competing interests Mm -hmm. and you're just trying to like navigate in the middle of it and reduce harm as much as you can exactly while also trying to make sure that if you're going to see a commercial that's targeted towards a black demographic, at least let it feel real. At like, least. Like, at least let it feel like, 
we were involved in the construction of this and it's not just some hokey right. thing where everyone's like, we don't talk like that. I know what it's like to have like a really good idea or a really good project or this thing that you want to make and you know that it's like on point, top to bottom. But mm-hmm, it gets mm-hmm. hairy when you have to... Translate it. Yeah. When you have to explain yes. and prove its worth to people who don't share the same experience as you. And Perry talked about that as well. I brought in, like, articles from, like, Source Magazine. I'm like, look, you gotta read this. Look, Ebony's talking about it. In essence, everyone's talking about this one moment. You can be a part of this. And they're like, well, we don't really understand. I'm like, if you don't believe me, I I want you to come to a show. I need you to see it. And I flew to Atlanta and I took the client to like a Neo Soul Club concert and they watched it and they were like, oh shit, this is amazing. Now I looked around and said, look at everyone in this room. This is who you're trying to talk to. When I think about people in this situation, my expectation isn't that they solve capitalism. It's a big task. Right? Capitalism <laughs> is inherently going to be problematic to our existence as black people in America. You know what I mean? Yeah, pretty much. But I do think, on the other hand, that when you come into a situation like this, you should try to leave it better than when you found it. Can you imagine if everybody did that? I mean... <laughs> what would the world look like? <sighs> What would my credit score look like? (laughs) So much better. (laughs) I don't want to think about it. It's making me sad. And so I think that, like, there's this really intense internal negotiating that someone in this type of situation has to do where they're like, okay, they're going to try to talk to this community. Can I Mm -hmm. make sure that it happens in the most respectful, positive, authentic way possible? You know what? I feel like there's a version of my old self that probably did think that this commercial was kind of like selling out because it's like, Mm. why are my favorites selling Coca-Cola now? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the current version of me, after working in media and being in that position, totally gets it. Just like the reason that you just said. You know, like somebody's going to do it. Mm -hmm. Change is always slow. Change Mm. is messy. People are going to like fuck up and make mistakes until things make sense in the world, until there's actual justice and equal representation. So I really appreciate being able to look back at this and being like, okay, we could have had something way worse, (laughs) you know? Exactly. Mm. So this ad had no explanatory commas. You either got it or you didn't. And even though capitalism is wrapped up within this experience of advertising, of receiving messages... There's something so intangible and so just innate that you could never, ever Mm -hmm. really bottle or share or explain or translate when you're receiving this commercial. No matter how much I try to explain to the people that don't look like me, my friends, clients, there will always be like a genetic level that you will never be able to get to. You know, and we have always had to put on the mask and jacket of being able to live in the general culture. So we are masters of being able to understand a world that doesn't necessarily accept us or we don't necessarily fully understand, but we've had to learn to play in it to survive. If you're an artist, and trust when I say this, that there's a difference between an artist and an entertainer. Mm. And sometimes an entertainer is an artist. Sometimes Mm. an artist is entertaining. 
Lady Gaga, I think, is a, is a good example. Solange is a good example. She's an artist, but she's also quite entertaining. That is the one, the only, Jill Scott. Her art, her acting, her poems, her voice, they all contributed so much to Neo Soul. So we talked to her about what Neo Soul means to her, what it was like to be in Philadelphia at this time of black art renaissance, and what she hopes the impact of her art has been to all of us. I would say ultimately you have to know what you are. You know, are you yeah. an artist? Or are you an entertainer? And then mm -hmm. do the work. Be that guy. Do the part. I'm very curious to know, how do you yourself personally define Neo Soul? I think it is a word that the industry created in order to revamp soul music because soul music is it is rock and mm -hmm. it is rap and it is mm -hmm. gospel and it, it's it encompasses every genre of music the artist just has to be soulful you know you can't tell me that queen isn't soulful you can't mm -hmm. you can't say that hall and hopes isn't soulful or kurt cobain so in order to compartmentalize what we do, they created mm -hmm. Neo Soul. I don't know if that's how you would describe your music or your art as Neo Soul. How did you feel about it when that label was put on what you were creating? I guess I thought it was like, okay, you know, <laughs> you know what, what else do I do? I'm a writer first. Mm -hmm. So the fact that anybody would want to hear me sing, I was like, for real? Okay. <laughs> like, oh, okay. You know, I don't really care hmm. what boxes people would try to fit me in. I don't fit in them. Mm -hmm. So I don't I don't really trip off of them. Yeah. I know that you're from Philly and your roots are there and it mm -hmm. helps shape your ethos as an artist. I wanted to just talk about the creative ecosystem that was happening in Philly, like yes. during this this Neo Soul movement and all of these artists that were coming out and that it felt like as someone who was watching it were in conversation with each other, their art was in conversation. I just like wanted to be a part of it, you know, like <laughs> while watching it. What was that like? I really think the best movements are not something that you're even aware of. Mm. You're just hmm. living your life. We went to house parties and we wore the house gear and the big shoes for a while. And all of a sudden, there were places to read poetry. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's something to do. You're in college, you know, it's seven bucks to get in. Like, okay, I can mm -hmm. afford that. And, you, you know, I went and I did that and that was cool. And I was like, hmm, maybe I should read a poem. I want to read a poem. So I read a poem and they clapped. I said, hey, I like that. You know, I'm going to positive reinforcement. Yeah, yeah, everybody needs that. So I said, okay, I'm going to write some more. And I wrote some more and they clapped more. And I wrote some more. And sometimes they cry and laugh. And I say, yeah, this feels good. And then mm -hmm. other places started opening up. Jam sessions. And you go there and then you create these friendships. And then musicians got into the studios. And they mm -hmm. say, well, we need a writer. Mm -hmm. You know, and then all the poets were like, me, 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 me. It wasn't anything that anybody planned. Everything sparked another idea. Oh, okay, let's create something that people will come to. Maybe we can make a little money as college students. An uh, old friend, Leslie Pina and I, we created Words and Sounds, mm -hmm. a, a jam session, and 
people came and music soul child and flowetry and mm -hmm. kindred and that's the neo soul movement i suppose in in a nutshell as you're naming all of my favorite favorite acts i think one of the things that i really 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 got from it was the lesson that i could be any type of black woman i wanted to be my <laughs> my black planet screen name back in the day oh, shout yes. out to black planet <laughs> my black planet screen name was honey molasses oh nice <laughs> Nice. And I'm all of 17 and I'm like, I'm not sure why this feels good, but it feels good and it feels appropriate. And it felt like someone had told me a secret that nobody had told me before. Nice. Right. Because the costumes that I was trying to emulate, you know, behind those images come stereotypes. It just meant so much to me that I was like, so wait a minute, you can you can like wear head wraps and be earthy and do poetry and also talk about getting it in. That mm -hmm. is that's some new stuff for me. Did you have any pushback to you expressing your sexuality? Yeah, later on, you know, they're like, no, the lady from Why Did I Get Married? <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's talking about hands on the hip, pull me right back to you. What is My she gosh. saying? Every record that I've had has had some kind of uh, sexual nuance from the very beginning. I was kind of surprised by later responses. I'm like, oh, it's because you don't listen to me. Uh -huh. You don't know yeah. me. You know me as an actress or you know me mm. as a poet. You mm -hmm. don't listen to my music. I love that about myself. That's one of my favorite parts of myself. I do think as a writer, I say some of the most adult things I possibly could, but I articulate it in a way mm -hmm. that is both intellectual and stimulating. It's not base. Mm. So I don't I don't know that I I give a shit though. Yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I love it. <laughs> like I, I love it. Eh. That's why it was so weird to me too, because I was like, uh have y'all not listened to her music? Right. Like, and that's why this Versus with Erica was so nice because we got to like sit in it, you know, yes. and just celebrate it. And the vibes were so good. What was that experience like for you? It felt like a reminder that we are still here. We have written and shared some some really intense portions of our life, not just personal life, just life. We're journalists in that way. We express what's happening in the world. It just felt good. It felt good to smile and laugh and most importantly, to mean it. Mm. Mm. To smile and to laugh and to mean it. That's yes. That. Yeah. That felt good. We had all been quarantined and, mm. you know, everything was new and it felt good to sit in something that has always been there, you know, music. Mm -hmm. I heard that you're launching your own show, uh, Jill the Podcast. J.Ill the Podcast, yes. J.Ill the Podcast. <laughs> what have you learned from entering the podcast space? I don't know yet. I didn't do anything different. Like I've been talking to Aja Graydon Danzler and Laia Sinclair about life, passion, failures, what pisses us off, what gets mm -hmm. our blood flowing, when to walk away from relationships and 
raising children and wanting children. Like we've been talking about life for over 20 years together. Mm. So Mm. when we get on our podcast, we're really just talking like we always have talked. Mm. Our conversations are, are pretty much the same, but we're sharing it with everybody, which is a very scary thing. Um, yeah. yeah, because <laughs> can't identify man, man, man. <laughs> but the, the goal is to spark conversation. We want people to talk about the things that are happening around them and we're giving resources. We want them to do a little homework. What's wrong with a little homework? Mm-hmm. You know, not just mm-hmm. listening to me or Aja or Laia or any one person you have to search out what you want to know and then Mm -hmm. after that honey you gotta do it right right it's Mm. the do it part the do it part is the part where um (laughs) (laughs) i seem to get stuck a lot of times we all Um, do yeah yeah, well when you find yourself in that situation what do you do what do you tell yourself who do you confide in or look to i stop like I, i don't i don't like to beat myself up which means that i'm not exactly disciplined (laughs) <laughs> because I, I don't like to beat myself up. I'm like, oh, mm. you know, I love you, girl. Is you mm. okay, baby? Mm-hmm. Here, have a bath. I love that. Roll this up and enjoy this and read this book, honey. You'll be okay. Well, take a walk. A long walk. Yeah. <laughs> That's really a major thing for me. Like a long walk. It, it, it really... Mm. It calms me down. It inspires me. You know, if I walk through my neighborhood at night, which I really like to do because, you know, uh, white folks, they love to leave their windows open. And <laughs> oh my gosh, we talk about this all, all the, the time. time. If your curtains are open, I'm meddling. Yeah. Because you want me to know what's in there. Yeah, I want to I know too. And it might mm. be that moment where somebody's putting dinner on the table. Or it might mm. be that moment where somebody gets popped on the ass. You know, that's where inspiration comes from. I take hikes a lot too. Just the nature of it all. Watching the wind blow through the leaves. Catching a deer. Being a damn deer. You know, just <laughs> I believe in being obedient to your artistry. Some people pine over things and stress over things. I don't work that way. I'm obedient to it. When I feel the energy and it's like, okay, it's time to write, I have to hurry up. Mm. I gotta stop what I'm doing and get a pen and a paper because it's a happening. That's just the way I work. I need to be inspired. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not, then I have to do something else. What are you knocking on a door with nobody on the other side for? You just going to keep knocking on that same door? You're going to be outside for a long time, babe. Go go do something else. If there's one thing that you've learned on this journey that you're on right now, what would it be? (laughs) Mm, There's so many things, which is why I'm like super grateful that I'm an auntie now. Like I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this age. I've been waiting for this point in my career where, yup, I've got 20 years in, babe. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of them come and go and do different things, but I'm still here and yes. enjoying it very much and expanding. I would tell everybody, whatever kind of art you're into, if that is what you truly want to do, longevity is the goal. Mm-hmm. And you have to save some for yourself 
it's tough when the first thing you do explodes. I, I guess it's like crack in a sense because you're running around trying to get the same high. But, oh, but, but that, that dragon. Yeah, but that thing is gone. It's already done. It's already created. Now you can do something else and something else and something else and mm-hmm. something else and something else. Mm-hmm. Longevity is really the goal. Look at Patti LaBelle. Look at Gladys Knight. Mm-hmm. You know, look at Shaka Khan. There were a lot of artists that were out at the same time that they were. There were a lot of artists that beat them on the billboards, you know, years ago as well. But they're still here and they're important to us, treasured to us. And, you know, one day I hope people will feel the same about me, that they'll listen to what I've sung or written or a movie or something that I was in that I put my guts into and say, I I appreciate that lady. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would Absolutely. be nice. That would be that Well, Miss nice. um, Cleo, I am not, but I have a feeling that not only will that happen, it's already happening for you. Spoiler I alert. Am, <laughs> I just wanted to say thanks and thank well, you, you. Um, for being alive and for sharing your talent with us and for coming on our show and chit-chatting. It means so, so much, seriously. <laughs> Man, it's good to know that that you exist. It's, it's good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All this time pouring a lot of love, a lot of energy into music mm-hmm. and writing to know that there are people who've listened and appreciated it and grown from mm-hmm. it is really, really valuable to me. And I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. So, Trace, mm-hmm. it's that part of the show where we take a page from Tyra Banks and see, did we learn something from this? Um, Oh, I did. I did. Pick me. Pick me. You. Me, me, me. <laughs> um, thank you. <laughs> I learned that my time in Philadelphia was a lot more transformative mm. than I... I don't know if it's that I credit it with being that I just I just don't really think about my time in Philly mm. a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought at the time that once you hit 24, 25, 26, that's who you're going to be for the rest of your life. Mm. Right. So when I think about my formative years and formative times, all that stuff happened in Kentucky. Mm. But when I moved to Philly after I graduated, I had to like transition and get used to being in a space where I did not have to supplement my blackness in the same way Mm. as I did at home Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and it just became like a different experience like I learned how to like just relax into my blackness if that makes sense like I didn't have to wear the RBG wristbands and the African (laughs) holocaust Mm t-shirt which I wore yes yo Google that T-shirt, youngins, if you've never seen it. It's a very aggressive T-shirt. That's why I went to therapy for the first time. You know Mm. what I mean? And this is where I'm hundreds of miles away from my family for the first time. I can now see that the fact that I did not have to focus so much on, like, race and blackness because I was in the black-ass city that I was in, it gave me so much more energy. When I was at Transy, like, 
every day I wake up and I'm just like, all right, what am I going to deal with today? Mm-hmm. And then once I got to Philly, it was like that part of my brain that was in charge of that part of my experience. It was just kind of like, all right, so uh, got a lot of time on my hands now. Mm-hmm. Uh, now what do we worry about? Oh, I know. Being alive. How do we do right, it? <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, I, I, I speak very high... Hyper- Hyperbolically? Okay. I speak very that word <laughs> about, <laughs> about like my mental health journey. But honestly, like it's a luxury to be able to just focus on that and not have to think about yeah. race at all, you know? Mm-hmm. And what a sentence I'm about to say, but talking to Jill Scott made me realize how important my time in Philly was, Ooh. you know? It reminded me that that was a big deal. Mm. It was a really, really big freaking deal that I was where I was when I was there. And speaking of Jill, mm-hmm. another thing that I learned is that, uh, so you remember at the end of the interview mm-hmm. when she was talking about like self-care and how she has to just like talk gently to herself like, no, no, honey. Yo, we're gonna her do this positive today. self-talk game is on a thousand do you know what I realized that made me so happy that I did not say at that point because I didn't want to interrupt the beauty of it? I do the same thing now. Really? So I was like, oh my God. I talk to myself like I'm talking to a baby sometimes. Mm. Like down to the pet names. Mm. Like, oh, you know, it's, it's okay, babe. It's mm. okay, honey. You can do it again tomorrow. And like, I, I don't know if I noticed it before I heard her do it. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, am I on some Jill Scott level hey, of self-care show? I love that. And it just made me so, so happy. Give it up for Jill. Amen. One other thing that I think became like vibrant to me, like while we were talking to Jill Scott and to Mm -hmm. Perry, to be honest, was about what it means to show up as yourself, Mm. especially in workplaces, especially in white spaces, you know? Yes. I think that that was one of the reasons why the Neo Soul movement was such a revelation for me because it felt so insidery and it felt like such a community mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. had all these people coming out of Philly with all these dope, different ways of expressing their ideas yeah. and how they saw the world. And they showed up in these record companies, which, you know, are traditionally white spaces <laughs> where mm-hmm. white executives make money off of black thought. And they own everything. You can't own a master. Exactly. Especially back in those days. So... It made me feel really good to hear Jill's journey and her outlook and how she like maintains her mental health and her artistry. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it made me even more thankful for this space, like for back oh It made me really, really, really appreciate that we have this space where we can come and we can talk about formative moments that people might not even remember but Mm -hmm. how they like affected our growth and like led us to where we are and that feels really precious in a time like right now Uh uh-huh especially with everything going on outside so it's kind of really weird that we're at the end of the season (laughs) like that is crazy to me so when i think of learn something from this When I think of what I learned from the whole experience of season one, Mm -hmm. I think about how important and how useful nostalgia can be. Yeah. Especially when times are rough. Oh my gosh, this is so meta. The thing that we're trying to do for other people happened to us. We did it, Tracy. (laughs) We did it. Our podcast is nostalgic. We did it. (laughs) We can go sit down. 
<laughs> we can plan season two. Uh, can't wait. <laughs> wait, 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 what, wait, what, wait. What? I also want to thank God, my mama, and Jesus for this award. Without y'all, I would never have made it. Uh, never would have made it. <laughs> and I want to thank our team. I thought we was going to do that in the credits. Okay. And now I look okay. like a jerk for not thanking the team. Should we get to the credits? I think we should. <laughs> <laughs> Back Issue is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. This show was created and is hosted by Tracy Clayton. And Josh Gwynn. Our lead producers are Josh Gwynn and Emmanuel Hapsis, who has possibly the best fashion sense. The best t-shirts. I've witnessed. The best t-shirts. Oh, absolutely. And so witchy in good ways. <laughs> Our managing producer is John Asante, who... Uh, what a saint. Who let us mispronounce his name <laughs> for seven <laughs> for years. Because he's just so kind he's and so, so kind nice. And so giving. Our senior editor is Leela Day, whose voice sounds like a freshly carved woodwind instrument, and it just makes me so Okay. Happy. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Poetry. Our associate producers are Alexis Moore and Zandra Allen, who they are on top of everything all the time. Mm-hmm. They work all so the ideas. hard. So many ideas. Also, Alexis is not on uh, Twitter, which I think is such a flex. Oh, the mysterious flex. Alexis Moore. Mm-hmm. Our intern is Brianna Garrett, who is hilarious and always has the best Zoom reactions. Yes. I don't know how to explain it. You just have to experience it. Uh, <laughs> she just did it. I love it. Special thanks to Gabrielle Young. Uh, I mean, honestly, I covet Gabrielle's job. Mm. Um, so I'm a little envious, but I do appreciate it. I love somebody who loves transcription shout. Our executive producers are Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky, who never failed to surprise me with um, the amount of me that they would put up with. <laughs> so I figured that between me uh, and you. You know, a lot. <laughs> This show features music by Don Will, who will literally make you the best version of whatever you need if you will just give him some money. This man has been in the music game forever. He is now my go-to when I need to diss track <laughs> so I can diss whales. You know what I'm saying? Working on it. You can follow him on Twitter at Don Will. Just, just Don, Don Will. Will. Not DJ Don Will. We don't <laughs> fuck with him on the socials. You can follow me, Tracy, at Brokey McPoverty. And Tracy, you know what I'm saying? She's cool. She has her moments. She's a little annoying. <laughs> Grumpy oftentimes. But, you know, go check out. See what you guys think. And me, Josh, at Regarding Josh. Subscribe to this podcast wherever free podcasts are sold. You didn't say anything nice about Regarding Josh. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> he tries really hard and he cares a lot. Well, he cares. <laughs> no, you don't care too much. <laughs> um, also, thank you to our listeners who oh rocked with us for the first season. If y'all weren't here, then we'd just be screaming in closets, literally. I mean, so it's a Thursday. <laughs> what does one do on a Thursday but, in a pandemonium? But scream in their closet. Subscribe to this podcast wherever free podcasts are sold. Tell your friend. Tell your enemy. Tell the mailman. Go tell it on the mountain. Hey, now. <laughs> Find you a hill. Uh. Everywhere. <laughs> Tracy. Yay! Also, I don't have a hairdresser. I lied. I lied. <laughs> it was.
Thank all you for a fraud. It was all a fraud. 